Welcome to Record Roulette. My name is Eamon O'Flynn. I'm here with Nathan Smith and Sonia Walden to discuss another album from the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list that we've chosen at random. This is the final episode of our second season. But before the bell rings for summer break, we're tackling an album from one of the greatest vocalists of all time, Aretha Franklin. Young, Gifted, and Black was released in 1972 and is almost impossibly Franklin's 18th studio album. And she wasn't even 30 years old yet. She'd also recorded three live albums at this point. Uh, She'd only record another 20 studio albums in her career. Anchored by covers like Border Song and The Long and Winding Road, as well as originals like Rocksteady, this album hit number 11 on the U.S. Billboard album charts with five singles charting. It was certified gold almost immediately and won the Grammy Award for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. It's hard to find contemporary reviews, but more recent appraisals are glowing. Jason Birchmeyer from All Music, for example, notes that it ranks highly among Franklin's studio efforts, with many arguing it may be her greatest. This is, however, the worst ranked of four uh, Aretha Franklin albums on the Rolling Stone Five Run Greatest Albums list, coming in at number 388. Just ahead of it on the Rolling Stone list are The Kinks' Village Green, Radiohead's In Rainbows, and Green Day's Dookie. <laughs> Just behind it are the Pixies' Surfer, Surfer Rosa and Taylor Swift's 1989. Okay. With, what? Sorry? Isn't there another album that's just right behind it? There is one that's right behind it, but I mean, right we won't, it. we'll just you not. You don't want to talk about it? We don't need to talk about that today. Okay. That's, that was uh, one of my talking points tonight. That's, uh-oh. I'll put it away. That's for a different, well, I mean, you can bring I'll it put up. put it in my pocket. pocket. You can, yeah, yeah, see if like maybe it, it, it becomes very relevant and then, uh, yeah, otherwise, like there's no reason yeah. to, to get people upset. Okay, did yeah. you guys like this album and why or why not? Sonia, so you were getting upset last episode that I was, I kept going to Nathan. So you first. Yeah, I was having a little toddler tantrum um, mm-hmm. because you were picking Nathan all the time. Yep, it did happen. Uh, I know. It, it did happen. It was like an episode of Succession. Um, no, I love this album. It was, uh, um, I've never listened to a full Aretha Franklin album before. Shock, shock and horror, shock mm-hmm. and horror. Um, and it was delightful. I, I loved it. All right, Nathan, you feel the same way, right? Sort of, but I just quickly want to give a shout out oh, to Nathan's on. Nation that sort of came, that rushed to my defense at the end of the last episode on uh, on Twitter and Discord to say, hey, really liked, uh-huh. anyway, I just want to give a shout out. But in terms of the album, Nathan, Nathan Nation. Um, <laughs> Everyone knows your, your dad's Nathan favorite. <laughs> Hashtag the resistance. Um, <laughs> no, uh, like Sonia, I'd never... Um, listened to a full Aretha Franklin album. So I didn't really know what to expect. It's, I don't know. It's hard for me to, like, I'm not really a huge fan of soul music to begin with. I'm not. Um, It makes sense. He has no soul. It does make a lot of sense. (laughs) It tracks. It tracks. This is tracking. Everyone, it tracks. Nathan confirming. So now it's a matter of public record. But um, (laughs) I think, so it's difficult to assess it, but I think you can clearly, like my perception of soul is what she sounds like. So I think Mm -hmm. she deserves a ton of credit, obviously, for sort of being the standard bearer for what soul sounds like to me and what I presume it sounds like to a lot of other people. Um, So I'm I'm sort of everything I'm saying comes with the caveat that I'm not a huge fan of soul music. So there were were aspects, if this was an EP instead of an LP, 
long player. If it was an EP, like four or five songs, <laughs> I think I'd really like it. But for me, a full album just becomes a bit a bit much by the end. But it hit. But it hit. I know. Your, your which forty-four minute. Even yeah, still, though, sometimes people shocking. don't like kinds of music. You know, like I'm there shocking. was that one time where we didn't like that one album from like the two thousands, and just didn't like the kind of music. You know. Yeah, sometimes it just don't jive. So, and yeah, sometimes Jack? things just don't. Amen. What did you think of this album? Oh, I thought it was terrible. I I don't understand why this is on the list at all. I'm not sure about That's it, Aretha I quit. Franklin. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no. I I really liked it. I can kind of see some of the stuff that that Nathan's saying. I I think some of the reviews I I read uh, were were like, oh, there's not a single song that you could possibly cut from this. That it's too. It's it's a perfect album. How it is, and it's like, well. Maybe not. Maybe that's a little bit overstating things. And it is at number 388 on this list. So it's not like considered her her best. But at the same time, I think. I mean, it is by some some people. Some people. It's true. But at no. the same time, I think her, her voice is just so, so great that uh, she could take, you know, anything and turn it into something that was that was at least listenable. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. I did. I did enjoy it a lot. I don't. Um, I think that, like the two of you, I had not listened to a full album of hers. I had listened to a fairly wide variety of music from her, though, uh, and yet I was still kind of surprised by just how good she could be when she was getting quieter, when she wasn't using the big voice, when she was using the little voice. Um. Just incredible. Uh, some a couple of great examples of that on this album. Like, there's no, there's absolutely to be clear. To be clear, there is absolutely no denying the quality of her voice. Like, it's incredible. Unassailable. I, I, I thought I heard you say that. The very first thing you said though was like, I mean, first voice is horseshit, and then <laughs> no, 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 that was a. Isn't that what you said no, at the start? You got to go back and check the tape. Um, so okay. there's yeah. to be clear. There, Listener, go her back. Her voice is please. unassailable. Um, mm. I just, I just oh, feel that's that a nice word choice. I, know, I don't know where I came up with it, but it was definitely <laughs> from my own, uh, from mm. my own mind, but, um, Nathan, yeah, again, hashtag the resistance, but, um, I did, I, I do think like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I prioritize above all else, like melodies, like more than lyrics, more than vocal. Mm. And I just don't feel there's a lot of melody. I mean, clearly it's melodic, but it's, there's not a lot of what I would consider songs. Like she's singing like crazy. And I feel that sort of the songs play to her voice as opposed to her singing sort of for the sake of the song, if that makes any sense. Like, and I think mm. the biggest sort of example of that is, and I, this is another sacrilege statement because long and winding road, people say that that could be a cover that's better than the Beatles original, which I think has an incredible mm -hmm. melody. When in her hands and in, in, in her voice, the melody is sort of erased to a large extent. There's really great singing, but the melody kind of disappears. So for somebody like me who is prioritizes melodies above all else, I, I feel it, it lacks a little bit in that area. Hmm. You seemed like you wanted to say something, Sonia. That's why I've, I've paused here. Oh, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I thought that, uh, that she did really interesting things with the, the covers. Like there are eight, there are eight covers on this album, mm -hmm. and they like other than the Long and Winding Road and you know a couple others which I knew because I listened to the radio once in a while. I didn't recognize them as covers of other people's songs until I until I looked it up. So I thought, well, she must have done something unique and interesting with them that they all sounded like 
Aretha Franklin TM songs. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's, it's, you know, her unassailable vocals uh, doing the heavy lifting. Um, But, but also, I mean, like, like the arrangements of, I don't know, instruments and stuff. I don't don't know shit about. Do do you think, okay. So to, to, to your point about the unassailable vocals, Nathan and her vocals, like, do you think they did a good, a good job using her voice here? Like, is her, is her, did they do a good job using her voice on this album? Either Nathan or Sonia, because you were talking, Sonia, but you seemed to be trailing off. So I was, I was just jumping right in. No, no, no. I was just, you know, the unassailable TM. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. They, you want the trademark. Okay. You yes. want the recognition. All they, right. They Sorry. clearly used a, a, a good job using her voice because it's used throughout the album to the, uh, to the, you know, I mean, to the exclusion of a lot of other elements, I think. Yeah. And she's, she's certainly not in a lot of areas trying to rein it in. Like, I think a lot of this album is sort of her saying, look what I can do and look how, look how hard I can go. There's, and I would have liked a bit more of the, as you said, Eamon, I think you called it the little voice versus the big voice. Like there, there are Mm -hmm. some little voice moments, but I feel for the most part, it's, it's largely big voice. And especially on the back half of the album, it, it feels to me almost all or largely big voice. And it starts to get a bit like, okay, I've, I've heard you do that. Here it comes again. Here yeah. comes again. Again, great vocals, but like a, it's a sort of more of the same. And in the absence of what are traditional kind of songs or melodies, it gets to it becomes a bit of a, uh, a bit of a chore. I um I think like one thing that sometimes we don't talk about, or maybe sometimes we do, is like um that like viewing this album through a historical lens maybe mm-hmm. helps to add some context to to why she's singing big bigly in all of her songs and um the you know it's it, it's taking it was released during the civil rights movement and uh it was a time of turmoil and anger mm-hmm. uh in 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 america and um uh this this album feels like an an answer to that instead of being despondent and angry to be joyful and praise blackness and all of those things. And I think that's, that's part of what's going on. And I also read that she was going through some personal upheaval too. So it's like a political and personal and cultural statement to just have a big boisterous, joyful voice, I think sometimes. And and the style that she sings in as well, like, I think that she's often, she's the queen of soul, but she's known for gospel style style singing which i think Mm -hmm. is generally you know very big and kind of very you know very boisterous and and she does that extremely well and when she's doing Mm -hmm. covers i think that that's the element that she brings to it and i think that that's what makes those covers so interesting is Mm -hmm. turning the long and winding road which is a relatively quiet song in in the hands of Paul McCartney into something that you would almost say this this should be in a church. Are we sure this isn't a cut? Yeah, is is this not a cut from Amazing Grace, her live album Mm -hmm. that is on this list? Like, how is how is that? But to your point, Sonia, also that song choice of of Border Song in in her hands becomes a commentary or becomes you know related to to the struggle that you know, is happening through the civil rights movement. Uh, the long and winding road obviously becomes that young gift in black obviously is, is a commentary on that. And is very different from the Nina Simone version, which is kind mm-hmm. of has a much jazzier feel to it. 
this this again makes that that song feel like something that that could be in a could be in a church it's very interesting it's uplifting but it's to, to your point nathan earlier about that idea of like this is there's something so um I don't know if like iconic about her voice that makes people say this is the, the voice of soul or this is the voice of like she by herself turned soul, I think, into this is also just gospel. Yeah, well, she turned <laughs> it into a recognizable sound. And I think similar to Jimi Hendrix on the guitar, there's not been much advancement in that genre since she pushed it to what yeah. she did here and possibly mm-hmm. earlier. So to basically establish the standard, you know, 50 plus years ago, like she deserves a lot of credit. And a lot of praise yeah, for the fifty-one. Well, I said fifty plus, so I can. He said plus. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. He's good. Roll it back. Yeah. Just yeah. feeling. Just feeling. I I thought that she was in. It. She was in the Jim Morrison camp of that. This album showed that she could do basically anything because I I do mm-hmm. like I said she's got the big the big ones. Oh me oh my, uh, didn't I blow your mind this time? Which is I think about performing uh, magic trick. Um, but uh, you know she can go light as well. And, you know, First Snow in Kokomo, which I'm not a big fan of the actual song, but is very quiet and is just shows the ama- an amazing level of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just to me, it's I, I again, though, I come into this from a very different perspective. Having not listened to a full album of hers, I'm a gigantic fan of soul and R&B, specifically from the 60s and in early 70s. I love everything about this this music to begin with. So this was kind of just right up my alley. I, and Aretha in particular, I think, is probably, if not the greatest voice of all time in like the top three, five, I don't know, something like that. Like mm-hmm. she could read a phone book and I'd be just, you know, paying attention every second. Mm-hmm. But she's not the only person singing on this. There's what? people doing backing vocals as well. You guys stop did, it. Did you, you guys like a, that? Do you did have you guys... a bit on that? <laughs> Did you a bit? <laughs> did, did you like the backing vocals? Do you think they added uh, or detracted from this album? They're used a lot. I thought that they added to it in that, in the sense that this feels very much like, sorry, much of it feels like being taken to church, like mm-hmm. like a gospel, and it was it was like a choir, a gospel choir in the background. I thought it sort of added to that atmosphere. Yeah, I, I agree. Is, I, I think I you it. need them given the the style of a lot of the music like without them it would stand out a lot more i think because you're just expecting to hear them and so uh they belong and i think for me what what stands out about the, the backup vocals is is they have a purpose too like there's some soul in those backup vocals like the way they're mixed or the way they were recorded or the way they mm-hmm. were they were delivered there is an individual quality there amidst the the chorus basically like you can you can't pick out individual voices and say oh that's diane that's uh you know whomever but like yeah. It doesn't just sound like a, a wall of sound where it almost sounds like a synthesizer. Like it sounds like human voices. And so I don't know how many we're singing, but it sort of sounds like, you know, four or five, like enough that you can sort of hear individual qualities of, of each backup singer at times. So I, I found that uh, really enjoyable. And and without them, I think the, the album would have sounded a lot more hollow or, or more thin than it, than it wound up sounding. Yeah, I, I would agree that there there are certain times where I felt like there was just a little bit too much of them, that they were almost too much in the foreground. But I think that's just because of my preference to to listen to Aretha. And I'm like, whatever you guys, yeah, you can sing the the chorus, the, you know, the choir bits. Um, but, 
but I think it does add to something like the long and winding road or order song. I don't think that those end up feeling as strongly like gospel songs if you don't have that, that emphasis. Uh, but then we have something like, uh, I've been loving you too long, which is an Otis Redding song. And they almost feel like too present at times. Like they feel like they're there. They're almost having a conversation with her in some ways. And sometimes that works out really well, but there I felt that it was, it was a little bit much. Uh, that said, you mentioned the, all the various different voices and not feeling like a synthesizer. I think I told you, Nathan, uh, when I first listened to this or early on when I was listening to this, that I thought that this was almost the polar opposite of the last album that we covered, which was, uh, random access memories. And it was partly because of that kind of stuff, but it was also because of the actual music. So what did you think? of the of the music that was be, that was being played here uh and maybe did any one song catch your attention in terms of the in terms of the actual music sonia 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 put up her hand student the gospel driven uh the soul every all all of that um daydreaming stood out for me it's mm. like it's such a sweet light uh like starry just a lovely little song like uh with you know the the jazz flute and the and the electric piano i i absolutely adore that song and couldn't stop playing it still can't get it out of my head uh well i really like the the playing pretty much throughout the entire album and again unlike the daft punk album that we we listened to there are sort of elements being built on top of a rhythm or a groove but unlike the daft punk album there were little sort of deviations thrown in so it's not just kind of repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of little fills or riffs and then they kind of go back to the main riff but whether it's the drummer doing something a little bit different or the bass player doing something different or you know other there's several songs where there's multiple percussive elements in there like not just drums but there's shakers and a tambourine or something yep. else and so my favorite song on the entire album which i thought was i would love as an instrumental but i thought really showcased her her vocal abilities to the extreme was Rocksteady, which I thought had a great vocal, great playing. It's funky. There was, like I said, when I'm talking about the percussion, it, it sounds almost in headphones that there's sort of three different percussive elements in there, like drums and then mm-hmm. some sort of shaker and then something else going on. The bass is, again, it sort of has a standard bass line. It's doing some interesting stuff. And then all of a sudden it goes up really high and almost sounds like a guitar comes back to bass. And nobody feels like they're showing off. Like it all sort of feels like they're playing within the sort of overall rhythm of the song. And uh, that's the best example. But I think that's, that's a highlight throughout the album is how good these, uh, these musicians, whether they were session musicians or part of her her band at the time, I don't know, but they're all extremely skilled and talented and that, that shines throughout the album. Yeah. And if I think that if you want an illustration of when we were talking last episode about, not having that spontaneity and then you just you do listen to stuff on this album like it's hard to kind of say that in an episode like we did last episode and say it's lacking this spontaneity it's hard to explain exactly what that means you almost have to hear it and i'd almost suggest to people listening like listen to stuff from that that daft punk album and then listen to rocksteady as is a good example of yeah. that mm-hmm. is like yeah the drums are are kind of exciting and interesting and there's they're always changing they're never exactly the same 
the bass is just thumping and all over the place. And, you know, it's it just it fits with whatever she's doing. It's just it's something else entirely. It's it's like a live part of the of the song. It's something that you have to listen to or you can listen to if you're not paying attention to Aretha's voice. You can you can listen to one of these songs and and kind of try and block out her voice and listen to what these other artists but are doing. And do be, I know, but but you'll be surprised. <laughs> it's it's kind of like and people might be more OK with this when you listen to something like Rush and you're like, I just want to listen to Neil Peart. I, I just want to listen to him playing the drums just because he's doing so much stuff that you're like a, a human should not physically be able to do what he's doing right now. How are there this many sounds? You know, it's if you kind of listen to something like that, this album might surprise you because she's such a big she's such a big voice. And I don't think that all the arrangements are are super, super complex necessarily. It's not like Brian Wilson put them put them together, uh, but they're interesting and lively and they feel like people are actually there doing a thing. And that's because there are people there doing a thing because it's Billy Preston playing the organ on three songs. And when it's not him, it's a soul legend named Donnie Hathaway and, and Cornell Dupree is a legend in jazz and, and uh, R and B plays guitar on most of the tracks. And when he wasn't, it was Hugh McCracken who's played with basically everyone you've ever heard of. And then Aretha herself is playing the piano on most of the, most of the tracks as well. It's there's real people in a room playing actual music here. Yeah. And it, and you can feel because yeah, well, there's there's elements of improvisation and just working off each other. So I think that's what the, the Daft Punk album misses, where even though they had sort of, you know, human instruments being played by human beings, it was sort of for very short periods. Then they would then loop it and that removes the human element. Whereas here, there's a human being yeah. behind that keyboard the entire song and they might decide to do something a little bit different for even 10 seconds. And the bass player might decide to do something a little bit different. They're not just kind of recording something for 20 seconds and leaving and they're looping it endlessly and so they kind of get that perfect 20 seconds and obviously that's you know that's we're sort of comparing two different eras and, and two different styles of music but when oh, you're yeah. trying to impersonate kind of soul and funk as daft punk was that's where it really kind of stands out as well wait a minute you're missing the, the key ingredient mm -hmm. here yeah the soul the soul the soul, the soul part of yeah. soul yeah <laughs> i i love how you said that exactly as a robot would say it though when you have <laughs> human instruments being played by real humans but it's more and like, i was actually i just came i was getting a drink and then i sort of put ai nathan on the screen and uh, that's what he came up with. we're still working out some of the kinks <laughs> yeah <laughs> chat gbt is pretty true. good actually it's not pretty, bad i worked a lot on pretty program, convincing but, yeah i was mm -hmm. convinced you can leave a comment and you mentioned improve this. the program so please do after the episode <laughs> you you mentioned before nathan that there there is uh there is at least one reviewer who suggested that Aretha's version of the long and winding road is the greatest of all Beatles covers. Do you, do either of you agree? And Nathan, you've obviously picked a Beatles cover for a, an episode about Beatles covers or a, a bonus episode. So now that you've heard this one, do you, does it supplant? I think it was an Oasis. Yeah, one, no, right? not even close. And this actually, I found it incredibly disappointing because I'd sort of read those reviews I'm like, Oh, and, and I like that song. Not so much that I, I believe that, Oh, this cannot be topped or improved upon. Like I, I was really mm -hmm. curious, especially given her vocals, but I think what I like about long and winding road is the melody. I feel that that was largely discarded for, and she deserves credit for clearly trying to take it in a different direction and, and do her own thing with it from the arrangement to the vocals to everything yeah. else. I just, it fell 
kind of flat for me and didn't really go anywhere. So I was, uh, I was really looking forward to that and was, was unpleasantly surprised by the outcome. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's make it more positive. Sonia. <laughs> I, I, um, after I got out over the initial shock of, Oh wait, I know this song and this is a Beatles song and what's going on. Um, I really, I really liked it actually. It's like a really, I, I like what she did with it and, and took it from kind of this, um, mewling, sad mm-hmm. little song and built it into like this, powerful throaty freedom song i just like it just yeah, yeah for it, me it it works but it, it's interesting i like, can appreciate your perspective nathan ai nathan i i, I can't nathan. appreciate yours but i appreciate that you're <laughs> so like oh, appreciate Nathan's the courtesy back, ai nathan would have been polite <laughs> yeah much obliged is it nathan but like n-a-i-t-h it's just like the ai yeah. is big oh, and the name of god in there it's like yeah. that's really well done dot we can come up yeah, we can come up with a word mark for this or, you know, like a logo. That would be pretty quick and easy. It'll build a whole company around it. Yeah, it says unassailable a lot. Uh, <laughs> this one, this uh, cover, I do not think it's the greatest of all Beatles covers. And I have a favorite, which I'd mentioned during the bonus episode, which is Hey Jude by Wilson Pickett. I think the greatest, I think it's my personal opinion of the greatest is, is uh, with a little help from my friend's joe cocker because i i think oh, that yeah. that's the one that anyone can think that it's just it's so good but, but don't you think aretha did for the long and winding road what joe cocker did for possible i think his i i don't know i i think his particular treatment of that song is 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 incredible and i think that anyway here's what we're not here to debate the greatest the greatest the cover whole purpose of this show is to debate things. no the here? greatest oh, cover see. of a beatles song oh, we're we already we already did that this, but um, yeah. here's what I would say is that if oh, on long and winding road, and I think where Joe Cocker's cover succeeded is he just, and it's maybe not a tough thing to do, but he out sang Ringo on that song oh, like, by geez. quite a wide margin. Oh. Um, you're both being very rude what to me. Aretha Franklin could have done, which is a much more difficult task, but I believe she's more than capable of doing it is out singing Paul McCartney. Doesn't mean that she has to mm-hmm. sing the exact same melody and not change a little bit, but I think that melody is extremely strong and had she just aretha franklin it and just sung the heck out of it with a few tweaks here and there I, that's what i was kind of expecting almost like a gospel version of that yeah. song with her just saying hey paul mccartney that's a nice vocal try this boom and then largely kept well, the melody so, intact and, and so like i felt that it, it had a lot and similar uh, it, like a lot of things that are similar to my pick which uh, wilson pickett's hey jude because i i thought hey jude was written i think paul mccartney said this as as an r&b song i was trying to write an r&b song and i could see long and winding road being written as a gospel song and so there's a part of me that's like this is this almost feels like it could be the original and paul mccartney recorded a version with the beatles that's that's how good i thought that this was i thought it was quite good and that she had taken it over so thoroughly and turned it into something that was so thoroughly not the original song that you could say, I don't think this is, I think this might be, are we sure? <laughs> are we, <laughs> I know that the other one came out three years earlier, but uh, are we sure? That but that's did it, real one? did it really, but, but did it really come out three years? Let's earlier? get Peter Jackson yeah. to roll back the tape. <laughs> yeah. I did think that, uh, that she outsang Elton John on border song. I thought that she, mm-hmm. she brought something. I love that song of Elton John's, by the way, it might be my favorite Elton John song. 
and oh I, I I absolutely love it. I don't know what it is about it, but it just sticks with me forever. And I think that she outperformed him on that song. The one I was interested in in hearing was "Been Loving You Too Long." Um, do you think that she kept up with Otis Redding? Yes. I mean, she's gonna at least keep up with him. I don't know if she outsang him or not, but she, I mean, she's going to keep up at minimum with anybody. Basically yeah, everyone. So, I mean, yeah. there's a reason why she, it, I mean, maybe Freddie Mercury could outsing her, but it's a very short list. He's a big voice. Yeah. I, that was the one where I think I'd mentioned, I, I thought that the, the backing singers were just a little bit too much, but there's also a part of me that wonders whether they were so heavily used there because I don't think they're used very much in the Otis Redding version. And I think, that the music is so similar between the two of them. That one's the weird one because I, I think Long and Winding Road and Border Song are so thoroughly different from the original that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is basically a, a, a very different song with the same lyrics and the same general chord progressions and stuff. Her version of Been Loving You Too Long is is very similar to the Otis Redding one and to the point where I actually had to look up, like, is Steve Cropper playing guitar? Is Donald Dunn playing bass? Is this Booker T and the MGs guys? Are we, is it really, or is it, or did she find other people? Uh, but yeah, that one's the one that kind of, for me, felt a little flat as far mm. as the covers went. I liked it. Okay. I mean, it's allowed. We're all oh, allowed to like things. Thanks. Did anyone have a favorite uh, or a personal favorite of the Aretha written songs? Because I, I actually wasn't. I don't think I was 100% sure that. She wrote songs, you know, I mean, she's so well known for covering things that I wasn't really. I was a little bit surprised that four of the song, at least four of the songs here, I think, are, are written by her. I I think they're original, but I don't know that. She, did she write them? Because like, I, I know, like. Carol King she, and those guys wrote songs for her. I don't know. I yeah, didn't I, think, that up. I think she educated. Well, I, I, I thought I thought that she had written a f- few of. You them, are four, correct. Four of Kamen. them, and I think by oh, virtue of what Sonia said earlier, moment. "Daydreaming" would be your favorite because that was written by Aretha Franklin and Aretha Franklin alone. Oh, nicely done. There's Rocksteady, All Queen, the King's Horses, and the First Snow in Kokomo. Oh, so, First Lady of Soul, Queen of Soul, what are Queen. Because she can be both. Yeah. She can be so, both. Why not both? I'm gonna have to. She's also the president of Seoul. Because like, why can't a lady be president? <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna have to, to exactly. stay consistent. Amen. I'm gonna have to go with Rocksteady. Favorite song on the album it was written it was written by Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, that's a plot. But twist. I also did not know that she, you know, wrote especially just outright. I thought she might have co-credit mm-hmm. with something, no, but I... it's just Aretha Franklin. Yeah. So that's yep. kudos. Yep. Yeah. Nicely Say- done. Same with Rocksteady here. The one I didn't actually like that much is First Snow in Kokomo. And it just seemed so ramp. I think it's inter- it's, it's interesting musically because it's a little bit. I don't know, it's it kind of slows down and speeds up and it's kind of all it's a little bit more freeform than I think a lot of the stuff that's that's here in terms of its its structure. But like, I don't know, I just kind of found it a little boring. Maybe it's probably not my favorite. Either. There's really never been a good song written about Kokomo by anyone <laughs> from her That's to Brian best. Wilson. Many have tried to scale that mountain. Top. Is it the same Kokomo? I believe so. Um, but mm. it's just, yeah. uh, nobody's been able to crack the Kokomo right. nut yet. 
<laughs> okay, Nathan, you've told us a couple times now that your favorite track was uh, was Rocksteady. I'm keep telling you until you believe me. <laughs> All right, Sonia, have you said what your favorite did, overall track is? I did is? say, I, I did say sure. my favorite track is Daydreaming. Daydreaming, okay. Song two. All right, and mine, uh, for anyone listening at home who's very interested, lean into your uh, headphones. <laughs> I think they already are. Yes, like people know. have radios. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry a second. They're, They're already so in weird. your yeah. brain almost. Uh, mine's the title track. I thought she just did a fantastic job of that. I think it's oh, yeah. just... Uh, there's something about it that's just that's hooked into my mind. I, I love it. And mm-hmm. I think it's just set up so perfectly for what she's capable of it's doing. It's hard not to like it. It's pretty great. Do you guys agree with this being on the list? Uh, do you understand why it's on the list? Sonia? Yes. 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 I love this album, as I mentioned, possibly earlier. Um, I think you can also track a trajectory of, as Nathan AI mentioned earlier, of Aretha Franklin inspiring soul and R&B for decades and decades to come. You know, artists like Beyonce and um, Erica Badu um, clearly are paying their respect to the first lady slash queen slash president of soul. Um, So yeah, I think it definitely belongs on the list. Am I offended personally that it's so low on the list? Yes, yes, frankly, I am. <laughs> and that it's, you know, maybe one or two albums <clears throat> higher than another album we've reviewed, which I was a lot less fond of, is mm-hmm. is, is also personally um, distressing to me. I, w- I looked at the list. I was like, what? 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 Direct quote. Three what's. Each yeah. followed by. Three what's unassailable her vocals are unassailable should should this be on here nathan like just a few spots behind green day dookie so coming into before you sort of did the preamble i thought yes it belonged on the list as a lifetime achievement sort of recognition or acknowledgement of her work assuming Mm. that there were no other aretha franklin albums on the list now as you've told us it turns out there are three other albums on the list right so there's a total of four yep that feels excessive to me that perhaps you get out of this podcast you leave this recording right this minute well, i mean we, we you're gonna let the beatles have 87 albums on this because list they sound gonna, dramatically different gonna, from song to song to song to album to album, to album. Oh, i don't know if aretha franklin is known you know what was her rock and roll era what was her electronica era what was her opera era what was her yeah I've, you know mm-hmm. i've heard enough aretha franklin sort of in bits and pieces a lot of which weren't on this album, so I can only presume they're on some of these other albums, that they sound relatively similar. There's no denying her talent or her ability or the fact that she deserves a spot on the list. So I was going to say that this album should be higher up on the list, like somewhere in the probably the top 100, as sort of a recognition that this is you know, a, a bar setter, like a standard bearer for the, the genre and for vocalists and has had immense influence, even if the album itself isn't to my liking, just you can't deny her, her abilities or her influence. I thought for sure it should be on the list and probably a lot higher than it is. But I was surprised to hear this is one of four albums. So I, I'm not sure that mm. this one needs to be there, given there's three others. But I'll also freely admit I've not heard the other listen three. Listen to them. So, yes. but... I would be very, very surprised if this album is dramatically different from the other three. So much so that this is the one that kind of represents her soul era. So let me name the Queen I would of happily soul. cut the Beatles, Not so. Springsteen, 
all of the other jabronis <laughs> down to four albums apiece if it meant Aretha keeps her four. Uh, here, like, here's representation. Um, yeah, so she's she actually has the number thirteen album on the list. By the way, like it's not like she's got well, like good. a few that are far farther up. She does have I, I never loved a man the way I love you is is that number thirteen on the That's list. Beautiful. And here's so I think based on its quality, cool. I think it should should be there. I think uh, I tend to look, as you have, Nathan, at, at albums, yes. uh, artists on the list with many albums yes. and say, is this too yes. much? And I wonder whether this is the case yes. here. But this one feels there's something specific about this album. You know, you know normally I say, is this was this uh, important to music in general? And I'm not 100 percent sure it's important to music. It was I, number two on the charts, was I, it not? Uh, number one, it did win a Grammy. I, I mean, like, did it did it like shift music substantially? You know, the way Nebraska turned everyone into like, how do I record things at home? Um, like Bruce, I'll talk about um, email sad, depressed, blue collar people, um, <laughs> that kind of thing. But blue collar uh, people can be depressed too. Amen. <laughs> I'd like to see one. But, <laughs> haven't seen it but but what i mean is that I, I i wonder whether it's it's important enough to to music but i there's a part of me that that looks at this album and says this is later than the other ones i think all the other ones are before this in, in her first in the first 17 albums before this 18th album that she released i think just before she turned 30 years old mm-hmm. uh if i did my math correctly and i'm bad at math but there's something about this one particularly she as you mentioned Sonia she got she had a, a divorce she was going through some some personal turmoil she made a real point about saying this album I want this to be about civil rights to a degree not like a, making a really strong you know political argument but saying that there's something important that needs to be said about about the place of black people in America and I almost feel like without again <laughs> to your point, Nathan, without r- listening to the other albums, that there's something that's special about this album within her catalog that, you know, before once we listen to those other albums in the next 10, 15, 20 years of doing this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like your way of saying there will be a season I'm three. I'm going to cut my mic so I can cry. <laughs> yes, there will be a season three. That's out of the bag. Been greenlit. The you know, maybe we'll get to those and, and it'll feel like two other ones feel too similar that this one, there's something to, to me, there's something about this that feels really elements of it feel really personal and elements feel really like they're talking to a, a, a wider world than I, th- I think a, a lot of her earlier music did. That was a, a little bit more um, popular, like pop focused. So I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock it off the list myself. Uh, I, I, but I would say I personally, very much enjoy this album uh one bad opinion you guys want to hear it i think we heard it from Nathan. let's hear us there hear wasn't a one <laughs> there wasn't one that's the thing i couldn't find one i couldn't find a a, a review that was hmm. that poor now the, de- the defense rests your i should honor. i should note that there weren't that many reviews but uh few hundred to pull from and a bunch of one-star reviews that were basically like the cd is broken 
the CD <laughs> arrived broken. The CD arrived a hardware, broken, which is usually what I have to go through. Yeah, it's a hardware issue. It had nothing to do with her. Uh, but yeah, nothing I could find that was like brutal in its uh, in its way of describing Aretha's voice or something. I really kind of wanted to hear someone be like, "This is the voice everyone's talking about." <laughs> I'm personally a big fan of Alvin and the yeah. <laughs> This voice is way too deep for my ears. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is this? This voice is clearly a sailable. <laughs> yeah, clearly a sailable. <laughs> exactly. All right. Okay. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. Would you recommend this to other people? And why or why not, Nathan? Uh, I'd recommend it to other people because she's a brilliant singer. And I think a lot of people like myself have probably not heard a Aretha Franklin album proper. They've heard greatest hits and singles here and there. So I think it's interesting to hear an album uh, from an artist from beginning to end uh, of its time and just listen to it. And you might even enjoy parts of it. All right, Sonia. Yes. And yes, uh, I've already recommended it to several folks uh, because I've enjoyed listening to it so much. All right. And I would too. Like I said, I'd listen to her read a phone book. If you would also like Maybe to hear Aretha Franklin read a phone book, albums. you'll love that this That was album. her 48th album, The Phone Book. The Yellow Pages. Yeah, yellow pages. Nathan Smith, spelled with an A-I instead of a normal <laughs> yes. A. Much obliged. Yes. <laughs> uh, but if you want, uh, you know, a deeper appreciation than you'll get from watching Blues Brothers movies, I think uh, you should listen to this album. What a way to end a season. Hi, guys. Dolly. Boy, you said it, Eamon. That's all for today. Thank you as always to Nathan and Sonia. Check out Record Roulette on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RR Music Pod. Rate and review this podcast wherever you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or listen at recordroulettepodcast.com. Music in this episode is from Lemon Music Studio. Thank you for listening to Record Roulette. Until the next spin, goodbye. <laughs>